The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. The Gospel of the Lord. So we move in Matthew's Gospel from the genealogy yesterday and now to the account um, of the birth of Jesus Christ, the description that then Matthew goes into as to how the Lord comes into, into the world, the moment, the pow powerful and profound moment of the incarnation. And so we've looked before at uh, St. Joseph's response to this mystery and I think his, his response is more of a reverential fear than any act of suspicion on his part towards Our Lady. I think he, is, think he suspects some type of activity of God going on, knowing Our Lady and her, uh, her irreproachable life, knowing uh, her piety, knowing who she was. I don't think he would have suspected her of anything uh, sinful at all. I think that he has now a holy reverence like uh, David has when he is bringing the ark up to Jerusalem and when the ark becomes unstable and one of uh, those by the ark reaches out to touch it and is struck dead, everyone is struck by this holy reverence. They realize, oh, we have something that is very holy here in our midst. And so what uh, David the king does with the Ark of the Covenant is remember he leaves it outside of Jerusalem because he feels unworthy of taking the Ark up into his own house at that moment. And so he leaves the Ark of the Covenant for three months outside of his own house. In a similar way, we know Our Lady, once she has conceived the Lord, she is then away from her own house for three months with Elizabeth. And where our Lady is with Elizabeth, that house is blessed by her presence in the same way that the Ark of the Covenant blesses that land where it is outside of Jerusalem for those three months. And so I think we have to look at this situation with St. Joseph in light of everything that has happened in the scriptures. And I think that it is this holy reverence that he thinks now he will not take this new Ark to himself, but requires divine intervention to assure him that this great mystery, the Lord is actually entrusting to him. 
And so when the angel then comes to him in that dream and says to him, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife. Do not be afraid to take this great mystery into your own home, which he then, uh, which he then responds to and he does. And so we can look then, and as we will look over the coming days, specifically at Our Lady and more so at, uh, at Christ himself, I think it's beautiful also to consider the other two persons whom we hear mentioned in today's gospel, the person of the Holy Spirit and the person of St. Joseph. And so the Holy Spirit being the love of God, as we've said before, one of the church fathers says that it is appropriate that the Holy Spirit is the power through which Our Lady conceives the Son of God, because the Holy Spirit is the love of God. And so in the greatest act of love that God has for humanity, giving us his only begotten Son, it is right that it is through his Holy Spirit, through his love that he does this. But also, as we've said before, is that just as when we speak, when we express our interior words, when we express those interior words by our voice, we have to use our breath in order to do that. And so also, when the Lord expresses this interior word of his heart, his Son, he does it by means of his breath, the Holy Spirit. There's a very beautiful image um, painted, if you will, poetically by Paul Caudel, the French poet. And when he describes the moment of the Annunciation, and the moment when the Lord becomes incarnate in the womb of Mary, he describes it very beautifully because he has this whole weight, if you will, of heaven for the fiat of Our Lady, where the Lord will not act in violence towards his creatures. What he wants is a free-willed response from Our Lady. He wants her to understand what is required of her, what is being asked of her, but he wants that it is her free will, an act of free-willed love that responds to God's request. And so what uh, Paul Claudel describes in his poetry, he says, so then as Our Lady breathes out her fiat and she empties herself of her own breath, then the breath of God enters into her as she breathes in and the Son is conceived within her. Very beautiful and profound image of what poetically might be what might describe the moment of the incarnation. And so it is this Holy Spirit, this love of God, this breath of God that gives life and animates, which is responsible for the incarnation of the Son in the womb of Mary. But you have this other figure, this profound and beautiful figure of St. Joseph, who is the one whom the Lord decides to entrust this great mystery to, the mystery of the mother and the son, the mystery of Our Lady and Jesus. And he gives this great mystery to St. Joseph in order that he might protect, defend, provide for, look after, nurture, nourish, love. And so it is also the same for us. The Holy Spirit is the beginning of our spiritual life. When we receive and when we step into grace through the sacraments of the church, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the breath of God is within us by grace. But that new life that is within us, that life of God, just as that new life that was within Our Lady requires defense and protection. So also when we step into grace, into God's life, and when his life is within us, it requires protection. And so we are protected by the one who is called the protector of the church, Saint Joseph. 
And so it is important this devotion that we have to St. Joseph is not something that we've just made up along the years. It's something that is scriptural. We can find this in scripture. The protection of St. Joseph is something that the Lord wills for himself and his mother. And therefore we know it is something that he wills for all of us, for his church. And so this consecration, this dedication, if we will, putting ourselves under the protection of St. Joseph is something that the Lord himself did. It's something that Our Lady did. And so St. Teresa of Avila, she calls him the guard and the guardian and the guide of the interior life. St. Joseph, the guard, the guardian, and the protector of the interior life and the guide of the interior life. He defends the life of God that is within us, defends us against sin and temptation, but he also guides us just as he guided Our Lady and Jesus into Egypt in order to protect them. So also he guides us along the will of God in our life and especially the will of God for our interior life and our prayer life. And so it is what God is showing us in the example of what we see in the gospel today is that the new life that we have in us by grace, our interior life should be given over to a protector. And that protector should be the one whom the Lord chooses himself, which is Saint Joseph. And so if you haven't already, I would encourage you just by a simple prayer, Saint Joseph, guard and guide my interior life, amen. It's as simple as that, consecrating ourselves to him, asking him to protect us, asking him to keep us in grace, to keep that life of God alive within us, nurturing, uh, nurturing it, and so that it can grow in love and in intensity. Amen.